You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Emma hates Gandalf. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're discussing chapter 37, Feeding the Dragon. The beginning of this chapter is talking about the siege and of Buckkeep Castle and the progression of the war itself. Right. This is what's happening while Fitz is here helping Verity mm-hmm. back in Buckkeep. Get another update here and it's midsummer. And it's the last year of the war because we know Verity's going to fly with all the dragons and save the day. I guess it's a bit of a spoiler. <laughs> right. Yeah. I get, um, yeah. It says by midsummer of that final year, the six duchies situation had become desperate. Well, I guess it says that final year. So right. we don't necessarily know that it's going to be saved. I suppose. And I guess with the way it ends, potentially they get taken over completely. So. Right. So. The uh, Buckkeep Castle had been avoided for a while, and it had not been under attack directly. However, midsummer, all of a sudden, after a few weeks of quiet, and with all of the villages and islands surrounding it already being taken over, they attacked Buckkeep. They had spent most of the spring keeping ships from leaving or coming in. Yep, there's so, a blockade on trade. Yeah, so... They were already weakened by the fact that they had no trade, no food or goods to help in this process. Mm-hmm. They attacked Buckheap Town, and it's estimated about a third of the people who live there were able to make their way up the hill to Buckheap itself. Only one quarter of the town's oh, residents were able to flee up the steep hills. So that means three quarters of the population are dead yep. or forged. Yes, and Lord Bright, who is, I believe, Regal's cousin. Or nephew, yeah. Yeah, he who is in charge of Buckkeep. He moved all of the engines of war that guarded the entrance to the river to back to Buckkeep itself to defend Buckkeep, but that left the river unprotected and let the raiders go into the six duchies and into the heart. This is something that we had talked about before because Verity and Fitz and Chade and all of those had discussions around this and why Buckkeep was so important. It's because it guarded the entrance to the river and the heart of the six duchies itself. Right. And now with the river left unguarded, the... Lords of Pharaoh and Tilth are realizing the reality of the war that's been happening for the past several years. Yep, especially with Regal bringing pretty much all the troops over to Blue Lake and the Mountain Kingdom War or shuffling there. It's basically their own keep guards only that are guarding them. So the situation is pretty dire for all of the six duchies at this point. Right. And it kind of feels like too late to help. Because I mean, when you're just reading this and you don't know what's about to happen... Like, it would take a miracle to solve this problem now because they've gotten to the heart of the six duchies. Yeah. Every single person is being affected. It does make comments about how the people 
that were from the inner duchies in general who had been able to ignore the war could no longer do so. Right. Because now it's on their doorstep. Their towns are being burnt down. They're being forged. And so it's like much more real. This chapter in general is pretty much a downer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little dark. Yeah. Right away. I can say that Fitz is not happy at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Distinctly not happy. <laughs> but Fitz makes his way out of the pillar preceding Verity and there's a bunch of people surrounding it all kind of frantic and worried and immediately he gets basically assaulted by night eyes (laughs) I would say tackled (laughs) well I was gonna say assaulted because like the the mental assault of of I made her listen to me and made uh her convince Verity that you needed help and all this sort of thing he's very proud of himself while being also tackled and and jumped on <laughs> by a very proud and happy night eyes that you know I made it work I communicated with Ketrikin right and he is pushed by night eyes into Verity who's also stepping through the stone who then has to like Step casually fall him. <laughs> around him because he has his arms covered yep. in silver so he can't touch fits to like move him but Verity <laughs> is is reinvigorated by this encounter from the previous chapter one he had that encounter with the guard who is going to remain true and he's going to warn everybody that yeah Verity's coming back and he's still alive but also he comes through the pillar saying that he stirred a dragon meaning fits not quite to waking but I felt one stir we may wake them all we may yet wake them all. This was Verity laughing and shouting to the others, these good tidings, as he calmly stepped over us. So Verity felt... So there's a couple descriptions in the end of last chapter where there was, like, quakes in skill that yes. Fitz felt. And it was before Verity stepped through the pillar, for the mm-hmm. first one at least. And I think the second one came as about when he stepped through. Right. And those, Verity later uh, describes, are the stirrings of that stone dragon. But in the meantime, everyone's kind of gathered around looking at all of, like, them stepping through and kind of wondering what's happening. The fool is looking weary. Yep. The fool is looking very wan and weary. And Ketrikin, ever a a mirror to her king, smiled at his exultation. Starling looked at all of us with greedy minstrel eyes, memorizing every detail. And Kettle, her hands and arms silver to the elbow, knelt carefully beside me to ask, Are you all right, Fitzchivalry? I looked at her magic-coated arms and hands. What have you done? I asked her. Only what was necessary. Verity took me to the river in the city. Now our work will proceed more swiftly. What happened to you? I want to pause real quick there because she says Verity took me to the river in the city. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to stay on my point that I think the river is in Kelsingra. This could be any city. It could. It could. It just like <laughs> all the yeah. clues around it. It just feels like at, that is the city that they're talking about. I think the only thing that I don't like about this is that it doesn't make sense. Where is this river at? Like, there's no way that there would be no mention of it in the later trilogies if it was in Kelsingra somewhere. I just don't, I don't know. I Like, 
where is the stupid river? It's got to be somewhere. <laughs> and again, I feel like I've said this before, and I think I do have memory of Verity saying he stopped the river in some way. And there is the whole adventure in the Rainwild Chronicles where the keeper, dragon keepers, like find the well of skill and have to go into the dangerous depths. It's like broken. The yeah. like lid is broken, so they have to go down there and manually open it. So potentially it's like something it was so full in this well that it was like spilling out. But I doubt that even. I don't know. It just I don't understand where this river of skill is that is not there within the next 20 years. If there's that much skill, they can lave their arms in it. Like, where is it? I don't, the dragons would have smelled it, you know, I don't know. <laughs> just saying that it just makes me think that it's in Kelsingra. I know. I, I mean, it feels like that. <laughs> Cause we're, I mean, they had to get there pretty quickly and we know the only city that the stones go to is here Kelsingra. are Kelsingra. Yeah. So. And that's the only city that Verity knows. Right. Although I guess we don't know that it's Kelsingra that it goes to. We just know that Kelsingra has this town in its map. Sure. Yeah, that's true. There could be another close by. True. Town. Yeah, we don't know, I suppose. Yeah. Fitz, of course, doesn't answer her of how, well, like, what happened to him because he's fixated on this and immediately glares and accuses Verity of, like, you sent me off so you could do this behind my back. I could not conceal the outrage and betrayal I felt. Verity gave me one of his old grins, denying all regrets. We know one another very well, don't we? Was all he offered by way of apology. Then his grin grew wider. Yes, it was a fool's errand I sent you on. But I was the fool, for you did it. You woke one, or stirred him at least. And that's when he describes that the the rippling of the skill, as he says, was what that was that's that's it came from the statues themselves and he asks how he did it how Fitz did that and Fitz has to describe that a man died on the stone boar's tusks perhaps that is how you rouse these dragons with death I cannot explain the hurt I felt he had taken what should have been mine and given it to Kettle he owed that skill closeless to me no other who else had come so far, given so much for him? How could he deny me the carving of his dragon? It was skill hunger, pure and simple. But I did not know it then. I think it's important that author Fitz, or B, whoever you choose to believe the author is, is pointing out here that this is a skill hunger reaction. This is not how Fitz is feeling just naturally. These aren't good thoughts he should be having, but it is tinged with his need and desire to have more skill and to touch the, wa the skill lake. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I really do think he is hurt and betrayed by this, but yes. it's definitely amplified by that yeah. hunger <laughs> yes. and his addiction. I would agree. And I think it is, I mean, it is hurtful that Verity didn't trust him enough to tell him. But it's because Fitz doesn't understand. Yeah. You know? And also Fitz kind of isn't mature enough to not follow them. I as much as I hate the way Verity went about it, I think he's kind of in the right and Fitz is proving it by 
being petulant. And- yes, being this. Up- <laughs> I mean, he has a right to be upset. I just think that the root of why he's upset is so childish. And he clearly doesn't understand the stakes here that like, no wonder you're getting treated like a child. He learns them later in this chapter, though, at least yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So it's I don't know. I feel I feel really bad for Fitz, but also it's kind of like, well, good on Verity for making sure you didn't follow them. <laughs> Night Eyes comes over to Fitz and Fitz at least can hug him and say, like, well, at least I have Night Eyes <laughs> in his self-wallowing way. He's also going so far as to say that Verity is treating him like Regal, like he is Regal. Which I think is another thing that... Well, he says, he walled me out as firmly as if I were regal, like, of the skill, you know? Right. So, yes, I guess, but I I don't think it's a full, like, comparison of... I don't know. I feel like there's something there. This, like, innate anger at Verity is coming from a place of insecurity. I think also, I mean, Fitz has been shut out by people his whole life, and... It would be really hard for the person that you look up to the most to shut you out on such a like strong level and something that you really are interested in, like joining them in. And I think there is that he talks a lot about how like he's given up so much so he deserves this. And I don't think that's like a great way to look at it because like he shouldn't have to give up that much anyway. That's a whole other conversation. But like. I think that the betrayal is like also coming from a place of like eventually everybody shuts Fitz out. Mm-hmm. Like all the people that he cares about that say that they care about him shut him out at some point. And then he's left alone again. And he might as well be no better than Regal because his uncle is giving him that much attention. And I don't know. It just, I feel bad because I know Verity's reasoning, obviously, like. We'll get more into it later in the chapter, but poor Fitz <laughs> to go through this and have to deal with the like, I don't know, withdraw system of, of this really addicting skill current that is so close to him. So Night Eyes comes over to him and he says to Fitz, she understood me, he repeated anxiously. I made her understand, and she told him he must go. Ketrickin, coming to stand beside me, said, I had the strongest feeling you needed help. It took much urging, but finally Verity left the dragon and went for you. Are you much hurt? And Fitz says, only my pride, and that my king would treat me as a child. He might have let me know he preferred Kettle's company. A flash of something in Ketrickin's eyes made me recall to whom I spoke. But she hid her twin hurt well, saying only, a man was killed, you say? So I do also feel like this is horrible timing on Night Eyes' part that Fitz is like, well, at least I can say he's mine. And immediately Night Eyes is like, I can communicate with Ketrickin. Isn't that so great? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's oof. Not not amazing because it's another Not person. the best timing, but it is yeah. cool. It know? is cool. It's Good great job, that, Night Eyes. Yeah, and Ketrickin for yes. <laughs> hearing him. But yeah, it's it's like unfortunate timing. And I think it's piling on to his dark mood. So Fitz explains that a man had fallen onto the tusks and he gutted himself and says, I saw no stirring of dragons. 
Kettle is turning to Verity here, hearing this and saying, not the death, but the spilled life. That might be it. Like the scent of fresh meat rousing a dog starved near to death. They are hungry, my king, but not past rousing. Not if you find a way to feed them. I like not the sound of that, I exclaimed. It is not for us to like or dislike, Verity said heavily. It is the nature of dragons. They must be filled, and life is what fills them. It must be given willingly to create one, but dragons will take what they need to sustain them once they rise in flight. What had you supposed that King Wisdom offered them in return for defeating the red ships? And Kettle points a scolding finger at the fool and warns him. Pay heed to that fool and understand now why you are so weary. When you touched her with skill, you linked with her. She draws you, you to her now, and you think you go out of pity. But she will take from you whatever she needs to rise, even if it is your whole life. So those are pretty, two pretty important paragraphs. The last one, of course, is referring to the fool is now carving girl on a dragon and is feeding her memories and emotions and life to get her to rise goes into a little bit later on in the book as well, but it's because he kind of feels guilty and he thinks that it's out of pity and he wants to do well by her, but who's to say what she feels about it? Like, right. <laughs> if this is like a deeper need to live, so they're like right. siphoning off of him. Exactly. It's really interesting. I think it also shows that these stone dragons are really close in nature to real dragons yeah. because the real dragons are pretty self uh, selfish creatures that do just take whatever they want and to continue life, which I guess is kind of nature, right? Like every creature tries to take what it needs to survive, but we have these imitation dragons and they're doing the same thing and they take, and I think it also is a really good hint at the cost that like, yeah, it's really cool to do this, but there's a deeper cost and it's not even just your life that you're giving up. It's everyone that comes in contact with this after that, like they could be giving something up to this dragon because it will take the life that it wants. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting concept and a good explanation for what's going on although fitz does not understand yeah, it i was gonna point that out verity does say that they must be feel filled and life is what fills them it must be given willingly to create one yes <laughs> your life must be given willingly to create one fits <laughs> but he it's spelled out plainly for him later on because yes. he still doesn't grasp it he's still hurt and yes. probably not paying attention at this point point. and i would also like to say that this is potentially why the making of the stone dragon by Rob Red doesn't work because it's not willingly given. Right. I mean, that's for all of the forging. Right. They're just taking emotions and sure, it's it's feeding feeding the dragon and, and giving it a lot of life force, mm -hmm. but it's not going to take flight. Right. Until all of Rob Red's in there because it has it's just brimming with so much. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So Fitz declares that no one's making sense and then gathers his wits and does warn everybody about the soldiers that are coming and that the uh, the men are guarding the pillars and are placed to prevent Verity's escape. So here we have a little bit of a time jump in the chapter. It's night now and Fitz 
has taken some time to figure out exactly the turn of events, like the order of things that happened. Kettle and Verity had indeed gone to the river almost as soon as Fitz had left. They had used the pillar to get down to the city, and there they had laved Kettle's arms in the stuff and renewed the power in Verity's. And Fitz once again reflects that every glance at that silver on Kettle's arms awakens in him the hunger, and he can't really hide that, even though he tries to hide it from himself and Verity. He thinks that Verity does know that basically that's what's driving him in those feelings. But Verity, you know, doesn't make him confront it or bring it up to him at all. And I do wonder if the reason Verity is kind of letting it go is because he has put so much of himself into the dragon and kind of, you know, like there's just less attention being paid to Fitz, even if he knows what's going on and like doesn't feel as important because he's not fully Verity anymore. I don't know. I feel like that could potentially be a cause, but also I guess Verity's pretty passive when it comes to helping Fitz figure things out. He waits until it becomes too annoying to ignore. Yeah. (laughs) And then he he helps or says something. So it could also just be that that's how Verity deals with things. When Kettle and Verity were coming back through the pillar, they discovered the fool had been carving away a girl and a dragon. Of course, they were kind of mad at him as well for that. And the fool is insisting that he could feel the foot intact inside the stone because he's chipping away at the feet of the dragon. He felt certain that all she wished from him was that he chopped the dragon free of that which mired it. He had been shaking with exhaustion when they found him. They brew him the last of the elf bark tea and he's still not very energized from it. He's just not energetic. He's not asking Fitz like what happened Right. He's just kind of in a daze, walking around exhausted still. Yeah, and Fitz is pretty uneasy for him. So he's definitely giving a lot of strength and doing a lot for that dragon. Right. Yeah. With the warning that Regal's men and the soldiers were coming, it stirs everybody to action. They kind of set up a watch a little bit. And Kettle and Verity found the carrot seeds that Fitz had. Technically, Starling found it. Yes, they were looking for more elf bark for the fool. Yes. And so Kettle makes it into a brewed stimulant drink, and then she and Verity take it together to um, heighten their speed at working on this dragon. Right. And the noise of their work had taken on a frightening tempo. So they are going fast. Yeah, going fast and all drugged up. (laughs) The dangerous combination. Well, they know time is limited now. Yeah. After the talk about the care seed mixture, there's also a little line or a little paragraph about how the sunskirt seeds were also found, um, which is what Fitz had bought as a potential substitute for elf bark. And Starling laughs at him and lets him know that it is actually known as an aphrodisiac. So it is funny to have it in his, to have found it in his bag. (laughs) Fitz is not in a humor mood at the moment and just can't really smile at it. Right. He is, it is not the time to joke with Fitz. (laughs) So he's sitting alone and after a while quests towards Night Eyes. And asking Night Eyes, how's the watch going? Because Night Eyes, the Fool, and Starling are 
closer towards the pillar, kind of keeping watch to see if Regal's men and soldiers are coming. And Night Eyes says, well, everyone else would rather be doing different things. So it's really boring. Yeah. If there's <laughs> danger coming, it is a long ways away. Mm-hmm. So there's not much on that front. And Fitz then kind of heads up over towards Verity's dragon. He is limping because he got hurt. His knee was hurt whenever Night Eyes shoved into him when he came out of the pillar. So he has a little bit of a limp and he's going up to the dais to take a look. And I I think his purpose also is just to try to hash out more authority to yeah. like, I don't know, fight a little bit. I don't know if he's trying to fight, but I think subconsciously it's like I need to do something. Yeah, I'm not I'm not done with this conversation yet. But since he's injured, he does try to lean on the dragon to take some weight off of that injured knee. But Kettle sees him and immediately scolds him for it. Like, don't touch him at all. And Fizz is like, I did it before. It didn't do me any harm. And she has to say, repeating Verity's warning, that that was different. He's much, much stronger now, much more closer to completion. With how close you are to Verity, the dragon would reach for you. You are not strong enough to say no. He would pull you in completely. That's how strong he is. How magnificently strong. And he asks Kettle, like, why can't anybody explain this to me? Like, aren't you going to try at some point? And Kettle's like, we have been trying. Yes. I would like to say that this does answer a question that I think I asked last episode of, is it that dangerous? Like, anybody walking by touching this dragon is going to leech off life force then? Or what's going on? because um, of the skill connection and how close yeah. he is. And it is... The more dangerous part is having the skill connection to the skill user. However, I think it's still possible to just touch a, a partially finished skill dragon and have it suck things from you unknowingly. Yeah. I just don't think it'd be as powerful as the way that it is with the way Fitz is connected to Verity. Yeah, I mean, it, we know it kind of happened with Girl on a Dragon when he was comforting Ketrikin, and that was before the fool had touched Girl on a Dragon and right. it left him weak. So it is possible, but I think it is much stronger if you have that connection to the carver. Definitely. And I guess technically by the time that he feels weak from that, he does have a connection to Girl and Dragon because she has the same thumbprint from Fool and Fool and Fitz are connected. I, I think it, that's why I said I think it was before the Fool touched Girl and a Dragon is when he was comforting Ketrikin. Mm. I could be wrong, but that I, I mean, it's only been a couple chapters, but I <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that he was hugging Ketrikin and felt weak stepping down before the Fool went up and touched Girl on a dragon. I don't know. I'd have to look. Yeah. <laughs> so Fitz is asking, like, why, why won't anybody explain this to me? And Kettle has to say, we, we have been trying. I try and Verity tries. But you, should, you of all people should know how wearisome words are. We try and try and try to tell you, and still your mind does not grasp it. It is not your fault. Words are not big enough. And it is too dangerous to include you in our skilling now. Will you be able to make me understand after the dragon is finished? She looked at me, and something like pity crossed her face. Fit chivalry, my dear friend. When the dragon is finished, 
Rather say that when Verity and I are finished, the dragon will be begun. I don't understand, I snarled in frustration. But he told you. I said it again when I warned the fool. Dragons feed on life, a whole life, willingly given. That is what it takes to make a dragon rise, and usually not just one. In olden times, when wise men sought out Jean Paytown, they came as a coterie, as a whole that was more than the sum of its parts, and gave that all over into a dragon. The dragon must be filled. Verid and I must put all of ourselves, every part of our lives, into it. It is easier for me. Eden knows I have lived more than my share of years, and I have no desire to go on in this body. It is harder, much harder, for Verity. He leaves behind his throne, his pretty loving wife, his love of doing things with his hands. He leaves behind riding a fine horse, hunting stags, walking amongst his own people. Oh, I feel them all within the dragon already. The careful inking of color onto a map. The feel of, cl of a clean piece of vellum under his hands. I even know the smells of his inks now. He has put them all into the dragon. It is hard for him, but he does it, and the pain it costs him is one more thing he puts into the dragon. It will fuel his fury toward the red ships when he rises. In fact, there is only one thing he has held back from his dragon, only one thing that may make him fall short of his goal. What is that? I asked her unwillingly. Her old eyes met mine. You. He has refused to allow you to be put into the dragon. He could do it, you know, whether you willed it or not. He could simply reach out and pull you into him. But he refuses. He says you love your life too much. He will not take it from you. That you have already laid down too much of it for a king who has returned you only pain and hardship. Did she know that her words, with her words she gave Verity back to me? I suspect she did. That's spelled out pretty plainly for Fitz there. Right. And I still think there's some confusion on Fitz's end. He's still not quite grasping it. Right. But this yeah. is the closest they have come so far to letting him understand. Now he understands that, okay, to finish this, you will be dead. Yeah. That's like his basic understanding, which is enough, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that is essentially the basic premise of it. But I also think that this is a really important paragraph just because it reminds us, like how much Verity is losing and what he is paying to make this dragon rise. He yeah. is, this is the cost to save his kingdom, to make sure that everyone is safe and that he can help his people is that he has to lose all those little things. Verity is only like late thirties. Yeah. And it's so sad because you can tell that with Verity, there is such a love for life. I think that's pretty evident in the little things that he's describing. He like pure, he has such pure enjoyment of the little things and he's giving it all up and he is stopping shy of his goal potentially because he refuses to make Fitz do the same. Yeah. And I, ugh, it's just really heartbreaking because I think, one thing that gets kind of overlooked in this is how much Verity is sacrificing. And I know it's like really easy to talk about. It's like a throwaway, like, yeah, he's sacrificing things and it's noble, but it's a lot. 
like every aspect that you have ever loved about life and even the stuff that you don't is gone like you just don't get it anymore that's why i like it drives home what i had spoken about oh man this was a long time ago but if this were any other fantasy series verity would have been the protagonist yeah and he would have been the hero here because yeah he's gone through some hardship but he's the one on the hero's journey yeah and you know fitz is is the correct way to show this story and i love these books but if it was a traditional fantasy story verity is the point of view he would be the one with the traditional hero's tale. Yeah. Because that sacrifice is insane. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do want to say that I think there's also room there to talk about how this is kind of also something that was, he was driven to, I guess out of desperation, but also from his own skill hunger. Oh yeah, definitely. Even if this wouldn't have happened, I can't see a reality where if Verity found out that this is something you could do with the skill, even if the Red Ship Raiders are taken care of long before this, this isn't something he would he wouldn't pursue later. Eventually. I feel yeah. like even 10 years from when he had left, I could see it happening just because of how much he had to use the skill and how addicted he was becoming. I just think that that's a level that you wouldn't really be able to recover from very easily. Yeah, definitely. So it's, I think it is really impressive that he's able to come this far alone for the most part. And that also he is willing to do that for his people. It is still noble. I think even though there is obviously addiction tinging this, there is still, he still has to give up life and not even in the easy way you could with the skill. Mm -hmm. He has to purposely take everything out. And I don't know. I think that's really sweet. And I think it's even more noble that he is keeping Fitz from that. I do find it a little, I don't want to say humorous because it's a little dark to say humorous, but like humorous that he's like, well, I can't do this to Fitz because Fitz loves his life because I don't know that Fitz in this moment of time loves his life and wants to stay. I think this was like, this would have been the perfect opportunity for him to take a low blow and be like well Fitz has had it pretty bad so I'll just take him he'll he'll thank me for it and instead he's like no Fitz will grow from this and he's gonna heal and he will mm -hmm. he should still stay alive and I think that's really big too yeah yeah because he does know Fitz really well and he does know that Fitz is having a really hard time this past year especially but yeah he's keeping Fitz away from that so the love is there <laughs> Fitz immediately wants to talk to Verity after learning about all this and Kettle has to stop him, call him back and she says two things I would have you know, painful as you may find them and the first one is your mother loved you you say you cannot recall her actually you cannot forgive her but she is there with you in your memories she was tall and fair a mountain woman, and she loved you. It was not her choice to part from you. Fitz rejects that immediately and coldly asks, what's the second thing? 
it is as bad or perhaps worse. Oh, Kettle is really just like, yeah, I almost salvaged this moment. You were really calming down. Better twist a knife in. Like, Kettle, (laughs) it's not the time. I guess I don't know when the time would be. And she probably is like, well, I'm going to die soon. So I might as well let him know. (laughs) She doesn't have very many feelings left. She's been pouring everything in. (laughs) And to be fair, I feel like it's pretty on par even when she did have her feelings that she would just say this to Vince. (laughs) The second thing that she warns is almost worse. Yeah. She says, again, it is a thing you already know. It is sad that the only gifts I can offer you, the catalyst who has changed my living death to dying life, are things you already possess. But there it is, and so I will say it. You will live to love again. You know you have lost your springtime girl. You are Molly on the beach with the wind in her brown hair and red cloak. You have been gone too long from her, and too much has befallen you both. And what you loved, what both of you truly loved, was not each other. It was the time of your life. It was the spring of your years, and life running strong in you, and war on your doorstep and your strong, perfect bodies. Look back, in truth. You will find you recall fully as many quarrels and tears as you do lovemaking and kisses. Fitz, be wise. Let her go and keep those memories intact. Save what you can of her, and let her keep what she can of the wild and daring boy she loved, because both he and that merry little miss are no more than memories anymore. No more than memories. Fitz has an even more violent reaction to this. Yes. Screaming, you are wrong. I will say, so the reason that we kind of skipped over that Kettle is having this insight is that they were so closely linked. Yeah, when Fitz was unlocking her skill. Yes, and as it has been mentioned before in the skill, you can't touch someone that closely and not give of yourself to. So as much as he knows Kettle, she knows of him, and that's how she knows all of this and how she's able as a third party to look back and say, Mm -hmm. like, listen, these things are obviously hindering you. You do remember your mother. You just purposely locked her away and can't forgive her. So you think you have no memories of her, which fits again, like kind of digs in like my mother, tall and fair. Nope. Don't remember anything of her. Nope. I refuse. (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. And I would like to point out amazing of Kettle to call out these things about Fitz, especially when it comes to Molly, Mm -hmm. because I do agree that. I don't think either of them are true loves at this point. I don't think they're a perfect match. Although I am a big fan of Fitz and Molly as a couple. I do think that their love is something that is a youthful love. That it, Yeah. yeah. That, we, we talked about that a lot yeah, last book too. That it just, it's part of the time that they're in and Fitz can't seem to get over that. And he doesn't ever accept either of these with the pieces of wisdom that Kettle gives him. This is something... I think eventually he does somewhat recall his mother. And that's why we learn, like, we connect Kepit to the woman who called Kepit in the market. He remembers, like, somebody calling his, the name Kepit to him and things like that. Well, he remembered that this series. Are you sure? I thought that was in a later one when he gets his memories back. 
we had a whole conversation. It's in the first book. No, I I know the woman calls the name in the market, but right. when the readers figure out that connection that she is his mother oh, is I because see. of that later scene when he gets his memories back and is like, I recall a tall, fair woman saying Kepit. And rereaders are like, oh, my God, in the first book, someone calls him Kepit. <laughs> oh, I see what you're trying to say. Yeah. I guess I don't remember that. So I, I feel like later down the road, he gets a little bit of a reconciliation. It still fits. He's still not right. like fully accepting of that. But I think there's a little bit more of a, <laughs> yeah, of an acknowledgement at least that <laughs> he has fair. some memory of his mother. But yeah, the Molly one is super important. Yeah, because of stuff that we've been talking about for the past few books, of when he locks his memories and his emotions away from this period in his life and gets them back at the end of Tawny Man. This is him not being able to accept that Molly is gone. Right. Knowing it deep down because of his violent and angry reaction, knowing it (laughs) deep down that she is not his any longer, really, or it would be a bad idea to go back to her. But very, very against that idea in general. Right. And so later on, I think it's next chapter when he sees when he sees Molly and Birik confess their love for one another. He finally kind of puts that nail in the coffin, but still deep down is like, no, she will always be this person to me. Yeah. And he can't he doesn't acknowledge that they have changed, that both of them have gone through too much at this point in their lives to get back together. So when he gets those memories back, he's still in that point of that frame of mind. Right. And I I kind of think that he stays this way his whole life. I mean, he get eventually gets with Molly and they marry. And I feel like there are comments made throughout the final trilogy of him making comments about how she is still the spring girl he once knew. And there's, I catch glimpses of her and it's a little bit more healthy, obviously of a relationship later in life when they've both lived and experienced more. But I think there's still this thing that Fitz does where he puts people on pedestals. Oh, hundred percent. Especially That's still people a, he loves. <laughs> yeah. A running theme. Yeah. And I don't know. I just don't know how he could ever overcome that. I guess he can't because he's a book character and that is part of his Achilles heel. But he's dirtying the clean wild wolf that is his (laughs) companion with his human thoughts. Right. (laughs) Fitz. I do feel really bad for him, though. And I do think it is a really human thing for when a relationship you don't want a relationship to be over, but it just is. And there's no fixing it. It just And you want that person to still be the person that they were when you first knew them. And they're just not anymore. And and you aren't that person either. And it's a really hard thing to come to grasp with. And I think especially in a setting where there's war and fighting and death and a fake death between you, that is just a really deep gorge to cross. That's the only thing that you've been holding on to throughout all of those tribulations and someone says you are deceiving yourself yeah like there's just something you're gonna be like to make you feel better yeah (laughs) (laughs) and to be fair i feel like the way fitz loved molly was a way that was very selfish inherently and that made him feel like he had a purpose it made him feel like the provider or the strong one even though that wasn't necessarily his role in molly's eyes probably 
in some ways, I guess, but for the most part, it wasn't. That's just how he saw himself in that relationship. I think that it's really hard to let go of that. And especially with how little joy he got in his childhood to let go of one of the people who made him the most happy, who he was able to make happy in a way in return that wasn't like based off of his status or who he's related to. Yeah, it was him tasks that he had to do as a job or anything. Right. Yeah. It was just And that's that's also an example of one of the ways that he hasn't matured. I know we talked about this last episode as well, but recognizing what Kettle he he can't recognize what Kettle is saying here. She's not saying forget everything about it. She's no. deliberately saying hold on to those memories but move past them. You yeah. want to recall those. There there were great times and remember those times, but you're not the same people. Don't live your life expecting a return to those old days. Right. And he's like, no, I'm not going to forget everything that Molly was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little childish. And I mean, to be fair, a lot has happened. He is not in a good headspace. Right. This yeah, is, this again, is... <laughs> not the time <laughs> to have brought this up. He literally was just starting to forgive Verity and is immediately back into his anger. So yeah. potentially this could have had a different outcome if she would have just even waited a day, <laughs> let him cool down about the whole her getting to get touched with skill and not him but it is something he does need to hear so i guess mm -hmm. when you don't know when your final moments will be <laughs> you kind of don't care if it's the right time or not but he has worked up quite an anger now and kind of stomps his way over to verity and confronts verity and says so kettle says that you're gonna die when this dragon is done tell me i'm wrong and verity's like yeah, you're wrong. Uh, go get the broom. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fitz sleeps a bit and he's still super angry and Verity finally kind of just confronts him and says, okay, that is a fine anger you have, potent and strong. That, I think, I shall take for him. Soft as the brush of a butterfly's wing, I felt the kiss of his skill. My anger was snatched from me, flayed whole from my soul, and swept away to... No, don't follow it. A gentle skill pushed from Verity, and I snapped back to my body. An instant later, I found myself sitting flat on the stone, while the whole universe swung dizzily about my head. I curled forward slowly, bringing up my knees to lean on my head against. I felt wretchedly ill. My anger was gone, replaced by a weary numbness. There, Verity continued, as you asked for, I have done. I think you understand better now what it is to put something into the dragon. Would you care to feed it more of yourself? I shook my head mutely. I feared to open my mouth. So I think this is really unfair, Verity. I don't think Fitz understands any better now what has been done. I mean, in some capacity, obviously. But this kind of wasn't willingly given. This wasn't... Something that fits, I mean, maybe he would have offered anyway because he's obsessed with getting to help make the dragon. But I think it's really strange that Verity sees this and is like, I'm willing to take this from you to put into the dragon. After all of the strength he's like kept to keep Fitz away. And I don't know if it's because of how much he's already given to the dragon. So 
he kind of doesn't realize the like negative effect. I mean, he knows the negative effects to some extent, but he's not fully thinking through the consequences or like what's going on here. It just feels I, so out of place. I honestly think it's just because he can't talk to Fitz like this and Fitz is going to do something stupid. So he's like, okay, we'll take your anger and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sitting a timeout for a little bit. Fitz. Right. Yeah, I guess it just because feels unfair. That, that anger isn't necessarily attached to a, a strong memory, right? Right. That's just the feeling he's having in that moment. Yeah. So I, I think, I, you know, this is me putting my own logic on the book and it might not be right, but I feel like that's a little bit safer than being like, okay, give it all your memories of your mother. You know, right, like. right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting that he takes this anger because it makes me question, does that mean that Fitz can never get angry ever again? No, no. Like what? I don't understand what he's taking. You know what I mean? I guess Verity continuously is made sad by, uh, by Fitz. So, and he keeps putting it in. So apparently you can refill feelings, but maybe he can't feel that anger in the same way anymore or something. I don't know. I just don't understand the logic of the taking. I feel like you're, I don't know. I'm too pedantic with. Yeah. I feel like you're, you're taking, at least for me, you're trying to assign specific very, very specific rules to magic that we don't know the generalities of at all. I guess. That's fair. <laughs> so it just doesn't, for me, it doesn't feel right to try to ascribe it to like, okay, so then what are the effects of your exact emotional makeup? And like, what happens <laughs> with this? <laughs> I don't, these are just the questions I have when I read this. I just. If you stub I, your toe and put that pain in, does it mean if you stub that exact toe in that same way, it doesn't happen? Like what's going on? Well, what are the implications? I don't understand. Cause like. The for I guess I'm just looking at like forged, which is one end of the spectrum, right? Where all of the humanity in them has been taken forcefully, but not to the point where they die, which also confuses me. Can you just like physically not kill somebody with it if they haven't willingly gone? But that's not true because Rob Red does. Verity puts all of his emotions into it at the end of this chapter and is not consumed. Right. The the dragon is at the end of this chapter spoiler alert <laughs> the dragon is complete and kettle and verity are still moving around he right. just says that he's put everything into it except that which keeps his heart beating right which to be fair kettle and verity also do not act the way forged people do i think it's because of the willing versus mm. forced there's like a more yeah. animalistic thing that happens to you if it's forced interesting i don't know that's my guess yeah that's fair yeah i think but that's just i think where my confusion lies and i'm somebody who likes it could be the uh the silver as well oh yeah that like just has a buffer or something like that i don't know potential i don't know either i don't know i just i think i'm looking at like forged people and then what's happening here and trying to decide the rules because i like knowing the rules of things i like knowing the little details but Robin Hobb is not really a little detail on the <laughs> the workings of magics. So I think kind that's of why I, I don't know, because, OK, so for fantasy, there is two. Well, I mean, this is generalizing a little bit, but there are two kind of schools of writing for magic systems. One is hard magic and one is soft magic. Right. Soft magic is often described as Gandalf. He shows up, he's a wizard, he makes a bright light, a flame of something, and it happens. 
You know, you don't really need to know it's the mystery, it's the magic. That's what this feels like to me. It's Robin Hobb. It's a little less defined. It has, you know, some soft edges to it where it kind of like spreads out nebulously and you don't really know where the edge is. You know, it's just (laughs) kind of it's there and you kind of have to believe that it's magic and it it works. And then there's like hard magic, like Brandon Sanderson books, for example, he has very defined rules and creative ways to get around those rules or use those rules to solve problems in the magic system. And I feel like that might be more like what you're (laughs) looking for is like, yeah, that's fair. Let's, let's know what we're going for. And then, use it creatively to do things so I know like oh that's clever how that works (laughs) yeah I guess and it's fair to like you can't expect everyone to be able to do this especially it like closes you off to what's possible in the future Mm -hmm. especially I think Robin Hobb knew that this would be a bigger series I don't know when she knew at this point probably or maybe like after this series was written I don't know but even if it was like a slim possibility you wouldn't want to close off what's possible later I don't know I just I think I have a really bad habit of overly critiquing like loopholes in writing or like mm-hmm. things that are missing. I don't know and if that's a bad habit. I, it feels mean. Cause like I'm not an author. I'm not putting all this time and energy and effort into making this. And I like, I don't want to take away from that because it is amazing that this book even exists. I love this series, but like sometimes it makes me feel like mm, that's lazy writing, and <laughs> <laughs> which is not nice. <laughs> it's not fair. And I couldn't do this. It just like, I think that's where I come from where it's like, I want those rules to know how much thought was put into this. I don't want to feel like the magic is just like, and here's the catch all for the thing that I need to get done. And I guess that's fine too. Like there's no problem with doing that. That's like a thing people like. And like you said, you would think Tolkien was a lazy writer with a deus ex machina. Yeah, I don't love it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. I love this series. I just don't love (laughs) when things (laughs) I like there to be order and things, which is fine. No, I don't know. I and I feel bad about it. Like, I want to just be able to enjoy the magic and like it for what it is. Um, But I feel like who I am as a person will not allow me to just do that and get over it. So I'm so sorry for everyone who is annoyed by it, who isn't the same type of reader that I am, where I keep bringing up these weird things that are like... I don't think you have to apologize for it because it is an interesting thought to go into. I've been reading fantasy, I think, for longer than you have, or at least more variety of fantasy. Yeah, I definitely have only recently broadened my fantasy horizon. I was only doing female protagonist before this <laughs> <laughs> so so i i feel like i'm coming from a place of like i will accept what the fantasy author is presenting me and you're coming more from a literature like schooling background yeah, which is fair. an interesting perspective so i don't think it's something that you have to apologize for or something that's a wrong way to approach it because i don't think there's a wrong way to approach any right. of this critiquing <laughs> that's fair so it, it does make me think of why i'm accepting and why like everything is fine for me and right. try to verbalize it which i don't <laughs> do a great job at to be honest all the time but i am going to stick with my guns and say right. you're wrong but <laughs> but fair, i will i will do it verbally when yes, i talk yeah. with you about it <laughs> i think my only fear is that i don't want it to come across as if like i'm snobby or like oh right hate sure. this series or whatever or i think i <laughs> yeah. could do better people like, people have been listening for probably over <laughs> 200 hours that we've had this yes. podcast and 
you definitely hate this series. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to come across as like a negative Nelly. I feel like I do kind of take that role in this podcast, <laughs> but I do, I do have a more analytical way of reading, I think, than you do just also probably because, you know, I have that background. So mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, it's good to have two different <laughs> perspectives coming in, but I do, I do sometimes feel bad when I'm like really going hard on something that I don't like. And I'm like, I do like this, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still enjoying every part of this book and I love the magic in this. It just part of the fun for you, too, though. Yeah. Is picking it apart is fun for me. So (laughs) well, Verity has taken Fitz's anger away and is trying to answer Fitz's questions that he had before. He's saying. I will not die when the dragon is finished, Fitz. He's trying to, you know, relieve that notion that Fitz had before that we were explaining. I will be consumed, that is true, quite literally. But I will go on as the dragon. And Kettle? Kestrel will be a part of me and her sister Gull. But I shall be the dragon. He's really trying to drive home this point, which is a little pedantic because... He will basically die. Like, who Verity is now is gone. Yes. Yeah. But I think he's trying to offer any little lifeline he can to Fitz here to be like... Right. But I'm not going to be, like... I'm not gone. Buried in the earth dead. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll be living on. I'll just be a stone dragon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I do feel bad. I, I feel bad for Fitz because a lot is going on right now. And he is having, like, the worst day he's had in a long time prior to dungeons um like excluding that this is one of the worst days for him and i think this is a kindness from verity to like be like well i won't really be dead i just won't be here (laughs) (laughs) but fitz still kind of isn't getting it well even if he does get it he just moves into accusation he's just like okay so even if he does or doesn't get it he knows that fitz or verity will be no more as he is now right i think there's Like a willingly trying to push away. Yeah. And he accuses Verity here, saying, how can you do that? How can you do that to Ketrikin? She's given up everything to come here to you, and you will simply leave her alone and childless? He leaned forward so that his forehead rested against the dragon. His endless chipping stopped. After a time, he spoke in a thick voice. I should have you stand here and talk to me. While I work, Fitz, just when I think I am past any great feelings at all, you stir them in me. He lifted his face to regard me. His tears had cut two paths through the gray rock dust. What choice do I have? Heartbreaking. Yeah, it's definitely heartbreaking. And Fitz tries to say, like, well, we could just simply leave. Yeah, let's just stop here. Yeah. And Verdi... Instead of saying what he has normally said, like, I can't, you can't leave once you start, he says the logical thing. Well, then perhaps we'll just be dead before we reach Jean-Pay. You know, is that a better end for my queen? No, I shall carry her back to Buckkeep and clean the coasts, and she shall reign long and well as queen. There, that is what I choose to give her. It kind of gets through to Fitz a little bit more than just saying, like... You can't stop once you start. Right. And I think ending it with that is my choice. This is the yeah. choice I'm choosing and what I think is the best decision. I think is a little bit 
more of a plea to get to Fitz because Fitz is all about like he wants to make his own choices. And even if other people think they're wrong, he thinks that the choice that he's making is the right one. And I think Verity is trying to convey that here of like, you don't have to agree, but I'm looking at the big picture. And if we leave now, I have nothing to give my queen, but certain death. Yeah. (laughs) And like, at least this way she gets to live whether or not that's like that great. I don't know. Fitz has to ask then about the heir and Verity just kind of shrugs and be like, you know what must be done? Your daughter's going to be the heir. And Fitz is like, no, you know, threaten me with that again. And regardless of the risk, I will skill to Beric to flee with her. And Verity just kind of has to observe. He's quoted as observing mildly. You cannot skill to Beric. Chivalry closed his mind to the skill years ago to keep him from being used against chivalry as the fool was used against you. Another small mystery laid to rest. I forgot that this is where that came from. Like, yeah. it's three books in, and we just learn, if you're a first-time reader, that Beric was purposely closed to the skill. Because you always hear the descriptions of, and I just can't get through a Beric, his walls were too tight and high. Right. Like He never really questions that much, and at no. the end here we get chivalry sealed him right i do wonder is it ever described if Burek can use the skill or no. if he's just a well yeah he was just a king's man okay yeah i wasn't sure i couldn't remember but yeah so just like riddle with nettle riddle yeah. is a king's man or i guess just a well yeah <laughs> of strength to uh, nettle yeah but I think that would be so heartbreaking. Like Fitz's big thing is he doesn't want to subject his child to the things that he had to mm-hmm. deal with. Like his life was horrible. Like <laughs> There were a lot of things that are horrible. And I think he can't see any future where somebody would want to be part of the royal line. When everybody else around him is like, why wouldn't you want to be right. the and, princess? Right. And to be fair... She wouldn't have the same upbringing he did. She wouldn't be taught to be an assassin. She wouldn't be forced to kill people Mm -hmm. from a young age. She would be raised like a real heir. So she would get all the training. And yes, a lot of aspects of her life would be chosen for her. But I think Fitz cannot look at it abstractly like that. He can only see what happened to him. And that's like literal worst case scenario. And he thinks that's only case scenario. Yeah. Because she isn't a legitimate heir. He's not a legitimate heir, and he wasn't married to her mother. So she's also an illegitimate heir of an illegitimate heir. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that would be really scary. I can see where his fears come from. And he is so strongly against putting anyone else through what he has been through. Mm -hmm. And so with that fear inside of him, he offers a deal to Verity. He says, do not do this thing to me. Far better, I should be consumed in the dragon as well. I offer you that. Take my life and feed it to the dragon. I will give you anything you ask of me. But promise me that my daughter will not be sacrificed to the farseer throne. I cannot make you that promise, he said heavily. If you bore any feelings at all for me anymore, I began. But he interrupted me. Cannot you understand? No matter how often you are told, I have feelings but I have put them into the dragon and Fitz limps away. I think this is hard because first of all, Fitz is being unfair here. Yes. And 
Verity is also kind of using this as a, an escape because even if Verity had all of his feelings, I think he would still take Fitz's child as heir. I Oh yeah, he still would. There I don't think it has anything to do with not caring about Fitz. It's, it's because not, he cares yeah. about Fitz. I think this is the best thing Verity thinks he can do for his child, but also the best thing for the kingdom. And mm-hmm. ultimately that comes first to Verity. Even over his own wants, clearly, because he is literally killing himself to save his kingdom. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, like, no, consuming I guess himself. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Not literally killing, literally consuming. <laughs> <laughs> Fitz goes back to the camp. And while he's leaving, he observes that the, uh, the wit life that he senses in Verity and the dragon and Kettle seems to be stronger in the dragon nowadays than in Verity. Still flickering between the two, but the dragon is growing in strength. And he gets back to camp and falls asleep after a fashion, he says. Nobody's there because they are all still guarding the mouth of Mm -hmm. the quarry tunnel where they think that Regal's guard is coming. So he sleeps and has odd dreams. Do you think anything in these dreams are worth repeating? I think they're just normal dreams and nightmares. I don't think they're skill dreams in any way. No, I don't. I mean, he just dreams of dragons and Molly and the stone game. I think it's another just nightmare. Yeah. Just his worries kind yeah. of manifesting. I guess to be fair, before I make this statement, I did not remember these dreams at all coming into this series. But I think this book, we get two random dreams that kind of mean nothing from Fitz. And... I don't know if we ever get them ever again, because there's the one earlier in their travels to find Verity where he dreams that he's in the cabin and there's like the stone game happening and Molly's there. It's also very jumbled and doesn't make sense. That one I think we might have stipulated on more, but it's really interesting that I don't think we really get to see Fitz's just regular dreams very often. Not very often, yeah. So... I'll have to make sure to make a note to look for those whenever we get done with the next series <laughs> and come back to Fitz to see if he has dreams after Let's this. See if we remember in a couple years. <laughs> I'll write a note in the first book of the next there you Fitz go. trilogy. <laughs> Fitz is waking up during this night. Uh, every so often, he's just kind of starting up from his dreams, falling back asleep, getting up, and he's questing out to Night Eyes to see how that's working out for them, the guarding and making sure that Regal's soldiers aren't coming. Then he falls back asleep and has a dream of the soldiers coming and and killing them all where they are. And he wakes in the morning to night eyes saying like, Hey, you need to hunt. Yes. (laughs) And and Fitz is like, yeah, yeah, I do (laughs) just to get out. You know, right. He is, kind of been mopey and angry and upset and he just needs to get away from it. And I think it's nice that Night Eyes recognizes that and gives him an outlet. <laughs> and Ketrickin sees him going and joins them. Yeah, she she was sleeping up by the dragon and was coming down and they they met eyes and then she glances down at Night Eyes and says, going hunting? The wolf gave a slow wag to his tail. I'll fetch my bow, she announced. So I just wanted to highlight that as another, like, I know your intent, even yes, though I can't yeah. tell. 
It's so interesting how close they've gotten. And it does, it also makes me sad because Night Eyes clearly is enjoying this. And I kind of wonder if Night Eyes and Fitz hadn't met and like somehow Night Eyes found <laughs> Ketrikan if they would have bonded in some way. I don't think so. I don't think Ketrikan is strongly witted enough to do that. Mm, because fair. it's taken, you know, months of... Night Eyes repeatedly just talking at her. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fair. (laughs) And they still can't, like, actually communicate. Right. She can just get, like... She just unknowingly knows what he's saying. Yes, exactly. So they go out and they hunt, and eventually they end up by the stream fishing. Right. Fitz does say that the act of hunting in itself is calming him down it mm-hmm. makes him feel a little bit better to Night be doing knows best. yes <laughs> and on their way back in they pass girl on a dragon and they found the fool curled up on the dais beside her sound asleep ketrickin woke him and scolded him for the fresh chisel marks about the dragon's tail he professed no regrets and they make him follow him back into camp i will say fitz also took a bath yeah, yes. And apparently he smells real bad because Ketrickin makes a joke that when he asks if it's okay if he takes a bath, she says, in truth, it might be a kindness to us all. <laughs> I had to get that in there. That is really funny. <laughs> and I feel like the smell coming off of Fitz. <laughs> well, even if I had just showered and something and you said that to me, I, I would know I wouldn't stink. But like you were just making a joke with me. That's so. fair. That's fair. Maybe that's... <laughs> Hopefully, we don't get a, de- a description every time Fitz takes a bath, and True. he has not taken a bath since the whole fool incident that we know of. <laughs> so maybe he does smell really bad. <laughs> they probably all do. <laughs> so they are walking back to camp here, and Ketrikin stops everybody and says, Hush. And then listen, and there's no sound, there's nothing. And it takes a, a couple moments for Fitz to understand the significance of that. And they hurry up to Verity's dragon because they're they're hoping that Verity isn't dead beside it. Right. But they aren't. And the scene is even weirder. Verity and Kettle are standing still looking at the finished dragon statue. Mm-hmm. But they are motionless. And... He's shown black and glistening as good flint in the afternoon sunlight. The great beast was complete. Fitz declares that it surpasses every dragon that they saw in the stone garden. He walks about him twice and he notices that Whitlife burned powerfully in the dragon now, stronger than it did in either Verity or Kettle. It was almost shocking that his sides did not bellow with breath that he did not twitch in his sleep. I glanced to Verity, and despite the anger I still harbored, I had to smile. He is perfect, I said quietly. I have failed, he said without hope. Beside him, Kettle nodded miserably. The lines in her face had gone deeper. She looked every bit of 200 years old. So did Verity. And this is a confusing statement. So Kedrigan brings up, but the project is finished. This is what you wanted to do. What do you mean you failed? Which I think goes to show how much understanding there is 
with everyone else. Right. Because to them, this is done. Okay, you did what you wanted. They're not understanding, like, it isn't moving. Like, the whole reason they did this whole thing is to have an actual moving creature. And the fact that it isn't moving (laughs) is enough to know. And both Verity and Kettle know that, yes, you have to be fully consumed by the dragon in order to get it working. But they know intimately, because they're linked to it, that even if they let themselves be absorbed by the dragon, it wouldn't be enough right now. They've given them everything that they have except to keep their heart beating. But it still would not be enough if they went into it. So they have to just be like, okay, now what? Right. I was just about to ask, how does the dragon get made? Because I can't remember right off the top of my head this moment. Obviously it does. So what happens is next chapter, I believe, is the swap. Yes. Verity gets another night full of feeling because he's right. in right. in Fitz's body. And that memory and that invigoration is enough to create the rest of the dragon. Mm. So without that swap... The dragon does not get created or or he takes all of Fitz. You know, that was like right. what Fitz is expecting. And that's like the swap that right. Robin Hobb does at the end. But interesting. So really, Fitz is the catalyst. He's needed without him. Nothing would work. Yeah. But I did find it very interesting because they are talking about how, like, you have to give your all to this dragon. And we have stopped short <laughs> because we don't think it'll work. And I do wonder how many, I guess... We would know if any other people had done that, had like finished the carving, but stopped short. Although maybe if they had gone in, it would unfinish itself the way Girl on Dragons did. Maybe. Because I don't feel like you would put all of yourself in if you knew that the carving wasn't even done. Right. So. So there is a description of Girl on a Dragon later on when fits in Verity's body puts his memories into her and it's describing like yeah all the coterie members trusted salt the head of the coterie right and she was the last one to put herself in but she strove to keep herself separate so when she put herself in and wanted to remain separate and as a single entity in the in the woman on the dragon that's when it like crashed back to the ground and kind of like mired itself back in. So they had carved it all, Mm -hmm. but like the stone was alive and like, yeah, you can't go anywhere. Weird. Yeah. At least that's in my head. That's what it looked like. (laughs) Right. Cause I, I feel like they did try to, I also have a memory of them like almost taking off Mm -hmm. and then being stuck. So I don't know. It is a little weird that like potentially that could happen to this dragon. That's fully finished. It could like, Go back to not being. <laughs> so Verity is sitting there wondering if that's what it likes, what if that's what it likes is like to feel forged with all of his wants, his desires, his loves gone. And all of it, he says, he put into the, dra- the dragon and he held nothing back and yet it's not enough. And so Kettle says, what about Fitz? Yeah. You've held back Fitz, and now we need him. Yeah, there's no other way. And then she looks at Fitz and says, You offered it, she reminded me, all your life. I nodded my head. If you would not take my child, I added quietly. 
My king, I no longer seek any bargain of any kind. If you must have my life so that the dragon may fly, I offer it. That is a little wild to me. I mean, it's not because it's very in character for Fitz to sacrifice for those that he loves. But it is a little strange that like two pages ago, he was furious and was using this as a bargaining chip. It's Verity, though. Yeah. All the hope gone. It's the six duchies. It's everything. And it's Fitz who, like you said, it's his character. It's yeah, that's who he is. I think it is really sweet that he is offering this. Although I don't love it again, like linked with Verity, Verity would know his reservations and everything like that. Like, yeah, sure. Fitz will say it and he will do it, but he doesn't really want to. Right. But he feels the need to. So, but Verity stops him. He says, no, Mm -hmm. you almost make me feel something, but no. And then he points at Kettle and says, hey, I told you not to. Don't suggest it again. He's not going in. Yeah, that's enough of that. (laughs) And then they both collapse because the carrot seed runs out. And Fitz says, yeah, you should you should rest now, I guess. Verity has to respond. Yes, rest. I shall be well rested when my brother's soldiers find me and cut my throat. Well rested when his coterie comes and tries to claim my dragon as their own. Make no mistake, Fitz, that is what they seek. It won't work, of course. At least, I don't think it will. His mind was wandering now. Though it might, he said in the faintest of breaths, they were skill-linked to me for a time. It might be enough that they could kill me and take him. He smiled a ghastly smile. Regal as dragon. Do you think he will leave two stones of Buckkeep Castle atop each other? And they lay down and fall asleep. I This makes me think that Verity tried to take over Girl on Dragon. You think so? Just that he says, I don't think it will work for them. And then he says, well, maybe because they're conne- they were connected to me at one point. Mm, maybe. So that... I feel like that kind of comes out of nowhere if he's never tried. Like, this is the first time he's even done this. He has a bare base knowledge based off what he's doing himself. But but he does. So, okay. So, when he laves his arms in the silver, mm-hmm. Fitz gets an understanding of everything that Verity's trying to do. And the skill, like, makes that happen, right? The actual right. silver. So, I feel like Verity could have gotten insights there. Not everything or like right. retained everything. So I don't know. I, I just feel like from his previous co- previous comments about Girl and a Dragon, how that is a mistake that is good for me because I know I won't repeat that. Right. That I feel like he didn't or maybe he like studied her like the other stone dragons and tried right. to wake her, but didn't try to specifically give memories to or carve. Right. So he might have spent some time studying in my mind, but not actual. Like trying to carve. Trying to carve and, and waken. Hmm. I don't know. Don't know either. But they're passed out because kerosene is a rough drug. Right. Ketcherkin sits down beside him and weeps. The rending sobs that shook her should have roused even the dragon of stone. They did not. I looked at her. I did not go to her. I did not touch her. I knew it would have been of no use. 
Instead, I looked to the fool. We should bring blankets and make them more comfortable, I said helplessly. Ah, of course. What better task for the white prophet and his catalyst? He linked arms with me. His touch renewed the thread of skill bond between us. Bitterness. Bitterness flowed through him with his blood. The six duchies would fall. The world would end. We went to fetch blankets. So, decidedly not happy at the end of this. <laughs> yeah. Without hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do want to say I think that Fool's hopelessness is coming from the place of elf him bark. coming down. Yeah, him <laughs> coming down from the elf bark. Because we know that makes him more bleak than usual. It makes everyone more bleak than usual, but especially the fool, it seems. However, it was an often boiled root of elf bark that was finely ground down. Still. So, like, very not potent. So I feel like he is bitter about it, and he... Oh, Since no, he I doesn't foresee see everything, maybe he's like, I could have screwed something up, but definitely the elf bark <laughs> helps helping. that along. Yeah, I think it's helping. I think, yeah, if it was fully elf bark, he would be way worse and be like, saying right this is the worst <laughs> right. i think the like negative thoughts are because it's are amplified by the what little potency is left but it would be frustrating to have come all this way you've like spent your life trying to get the dragons back and it doesn't work and they don't know how it works anyway so if verity is saying that he failed that's all they have to go off of. There's no like, well, maybe you're wrong because I don't think Fool or Ketrikin or even Fitz in this moment has the mindset to be like, well, you don't really know everything about this process, so maybe you're wrong. Right. It's just a, well, he says it's wrong, so it's wrong. And that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. It is a lot of work and a lot of hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the rest of how Verity's dragon comes to life because I haven't so I read ahead to the next chapter right but I haven't read ahead to when it actually wakes up so I'm trying to remember if there is a fight around it and if like somebody gets their blood splashed on it or something I feel like that's how girl and the dragon wakes up I don't know but I I, know that I don't know yeah regals people get there yeah but they kind of ignore each other, right? They just like they're building their own skill dragon or whatever. I think there is a fight at some point. I just don't remember any of the details. So right. I guess we'll we'll wait and find we'll out. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> have to read ahead a little bit and remember. I know. I always feel so bad whenever I have a question about like this book series specifically of like, I wonder what happens at the end of this because I don't remember every detail. <laughs> And then I'm like, we're doing a podcast on this book series. I should know the answers. And I'm like, eh, the readers, our listeners know. I, we don't know anything. So. <laughs> well, if you guys know anything, please let us know. <laughs> we're at isfitshappy at gmail.com. And if you want to reach out to us on any of our social medias, we're at isfitshappy, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is our handle on all three Please leave us any reviews that you guys have, any feedback that you have. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us this week. Really appreciate to hear from you guys and uh, really appreciate you guys following along with us. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs>